Hey there, my name is Maya Kennedy and welcome to the Girls Room Podcast. Let me just clear the air. This is a safe space where we talk about all the things, life, community, relationships, and faith, where we ditch what we put on our Instagram stories, learn to be okay with exactly where we are, and share that gift with any girl who will listen. This is where we share life, all the victories, big and small, failures that make us cringe, heartbreaks that make us ugly cry, and ultimately how God shows up in all of that. I firmly believe that in order to live our lives out of abundance, confidence, and grace, we need to walk in community. And that's exactly what this is, a community in our little corner of the podcast universe. So again, welcome, welcome to the Girls Room Podcast. I cannot wait to share this with you, so let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome back to the Girls Room Podcast. I'm so excited to have Kristen Stockfish join us in my room today, and thank you so much for coming on. I'm really pumped. <laughs> I am so excited to be here, and the fact that we get to do this tonight, I, I don't want to do anything else. I have kids that don't talk to me about the things that matter all day, so the fact that we get to talk about this, Maya, I'm so excited. Oh, yay. That makes me so happy. I've been looking forward to this for a long time, and I'm so glad that it's working out even in the midst of a pandemic season. So, (laughs) Seriously, girl, what is happening? What is happening? That's a great question, but we don't have the answer to that, and that's okay. (laughs) We're going to move right along. So before we jump into it all, uh, I would love for you to tell us where you're from, what you do, and then tell us something you are super passionate about. Okay. I live in Austin, Texas. I've lived here for two years. And right now I'm a full-time mom to Ryan, a girl who's six. Remy is a girl. She's three. And Rhodes, a little boy, is one. And I worked in ministry for about a decade in three different states with FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I absolutely love that. But I've absolutely loved being mom, too. And since the pandemic, I've started a podcast called Women Who Love Jesus. And I love that because it feels like ministry that I can do while still being really safe and social distance from people. And um, something I'm passionate about is these days, but I think forever is just prayer. I, like, I'm the youngest one at all the prayer meetings at church. And I will wake up early and I will ask impossible things for whatever reason God has implanted in me a heart for prayer and all the different ways that we can pray. And so um, that, yeah, forever has been something that I've been passionate about and still really, really love that today and love talking about it. That's so awesome. Number one, I love your children's names. They're so precious and unique and I love them. And I love that you love to pray. I think prayer is so underestimated for whatever reason. I think because we can't see it and sometimes we don't know if God's answering our prayers or if he's waiting on something or whatever. We don't know what could be happening, but I love that you're passionate about prayer and passionate about doing the thing. It's not this hypothetical, if God will get back to me, maybe it's no, God is speaking with me. This is a relationship. And I, yeah, I love that. So good. Yeah, totally. I wanted to talk about too, kind of how we met, which is kind of funny just because of the time we're in now, but there's the rest and renewal retreat. I've mentioned this before, um, on a different podcast 
and it was amazing. But this time it was virtual, which was interesting, but also good. And that's where I got to meet Kristen and she was amazing. And, you know, afterwards I creepily like looked her up and was like, what does she do? What is she doing? And mind you, she spoke at the retreat and did an amazing job. But then I, that's when I found out you do your own podcast, Women Who Love Jesus, which is so amazing. And I would love for you to touch on that a little bit. Like what got you started during quarantine? Did you just say, okay, I'm just going to do this? Has this been something you've been thinking about? Yeah. I've had a desire to do something with a podcast for a while because I'm a fan of podcasts. At the end of the day, I love them. I love listening to them. I think it's such an amazing way to devour great content and truth because I can be washing dishes or going for a walk or folding laundry or driving and be listening to a conversation just like this. And there's something in this world we were talking about a little bit before we started about screens that like I can be listening to something in my ears and not have to be watching something and learn so much. So because I was a fan of a podcast or all podcasts, I would say it was always in the back of my mind. Would, would I, could I do that one day? And it took the pandemic for it to happen, both because I think I was just, I had a little bit of margin to just think creatively a little, a little more, but also because I have a husband who traveled a ton for his job prior to the pandemic. And so a lot of what I kind of wanted to do was maybe just a little quieted because uh, I was just needing to be a stable presence at home. And that was a thing that I loved. I loved being able to be a mom that was just available and um, just here for my kids and for my husband. But because of the pandemic, he just was home more. And I was, I had the margin and the ability to just say, okay, well, if he's going to be home, maybe I can just start a conversation with these really interesting women. And so I've always loved Jesus like as long as I can remember. And I loved the idea of including and amplifying voices of women from every kind of background that love Jesus too, that maybe they don't look exactly like everybody else because at the end of the day, that's all of our stories. There's only one us. But um, I love being able to have conversations with women that we all want to have, but we rarely do. So I just ask questions that might like ruffle some feathers, but I love being able to get to the heart of different issues because it's, we all want to talk about it, but we don't all the time. And so I've loved that space. It's been super life-giving. I love that. I love that you're doing the thing that you're going out and saying, yes, God is calling me to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to step into ministry this way. I feel like we have very similar hearts in that way. And it's cool to see women doing awesome things. And I mean, that's a big reason why I started this too, is because I want to be able to reach other women who are going through similar things or are going, uh, I can't talk today, but are overcoming something or, you know, have a story that they can share. I think it's really powerful, the stories we have and the voices that God has given us and that we should use those. So I love what you're doing and it's awesome. I love it too. I love what you're doing. Clearly. Wow. Thank you. 
I um, wanted to talk about the retreat a little bit and ask you how you got into it. Because I got into it because my uh, assistant coach at the time invited me to go with another teammate. But how did you get Jana. plugged in? Yes, Jana. Yeah. So how did you get plugged in? Plug to her? Shout out to Jana. Yeah. I, um, I was actually mentored in Wheaton when my husband and I lived in just outside of Chicago in Wheaton by Cheryl Baird. So it's just kind of this like total crazy world that I was mentored by Cheryl and then met her daughter, Chrissy, who I know you know and was able to mentor. So it was kind of this trickle down effect that I was being poured into by the mom. And then there was a high school girl, her daughter, that I got to pour into. It was so cool. I just think that's such a picture of what the body of Christ should look like. And so because I knew Cheryl, I soon got to know Debbie Halliday, who puts it on. And I consider Debbie and Jamie and Jenny and Cheryl kind of just life mentors of mine. And so I, when I heard that they were doing something aimed towards women away and I could go away and be with Jesus in this like capacity, I just, I'm a, such a fan of retreats too, just because I love quiet and I love getting away and like the prayer side of me, like I was talking about earlier, I love just stillness before God. And so I'm like a retreat junkie. I just love them. And so the fact that it was both a retreat, something I really love with women that I really respected, it was kind of like a done deal. So that's so amazing. Yeah. Uh, I had Chrissy on the podcast for episode one. So it's just so cool to have you on now. I don't even know what episode this is. I haven't decided yet, but it will be an episode at some point, but, um, I'm just, yeah, it's so cool to see how God works that way. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, I love her. Well, and she's just, she's amazing. Shout out and to she, Christy. Yes. She speaks so highly of you too. So, and it's kind of a funny story, but when she was on the podcast, she mentions you and it's so sweet. And I'm thinking, wow, that's so cool that she has a mentor like that. And then years later I get to meet you and I'm like, oh, you are the, the woman, you are Kristen. <laughs> so I find that so cool. Yes. So special. I love that. And then, um, just at the retreat too, she got to share her story and that's why I asked her to be on the podcast because I just thought it was such a powerful story. And this past retreat, you talked about yours kind of, you talk about something more, uh, narrow focus, but still a part of something you clearly went through. Cause I just feel like when people talk about something, it's because they had to walk through it. 100%. Yes. And I wanted you to kind of touch on this idea of what it means to lament. Cause that's what you talk about at the retreat. And I thought it was such an interesting concept. And I never really thought about this idea of lamenting before God and bringing that to God, especially because it's just my personality to push through, to keep going, to have mental toughness, don't quit, blah, blah, blah. And that's probably the athlete in me, but you know, being retired, expired, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm just learning that, you know, it's good to slow down. It's good to bring these things to God. It's, it's needed in a relationship to be open and vulnerable in that way. And so I wanted to ask if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I was an athlete too. I played volleyball in college and I think 
There were moments that I would lament, but I didn't know, I didn't have language to call it that because we talked for a little bit and I got to hear your story, Maya, about being a college athlete, but I was the girl that was always injured. That was kind of my plight in college. And so I had a lot of emotion, a lot of emotion and didn't really know what to do with it. And that came out in ways that were probably less than ideal most of the time in college. And then um, all of a sudden, I just started leaning into my faith a little bit more. I started surrounding myself with people that loved the Lord. And I started journaling. And I found that through journaling, I kind of was a lot bolder with my prayer life and the expression of my emotions than I would be if I was just talking to someone or even just talking out loud in prayer to the Lord. And so, so because of that, I just think the reason I spoke about that specifically at this retreat too, is that initially I was supposed to talk about that wonderful passage in Matthew 11 at the end when Jesus is speaking and he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And it goes on just with some amazing promises about what that looks like. And we just kind of talked as a rest and renewal team about that and I just brought to them the idea because it was brand new. The pandemic was like weeks old. And then we were like, oh, it'll only be weeks old. And here we are like months later, which is a reason to lament in its own right. But we, um, we just said like, let's just listen to, to the world, to the overall cry of the world right now. And how do we serve women best, especially in an online space? Like it's so different to have to do this virtually. So how do we serve them best? And I just kept coming back to this idea of lament. And um, if you want to, I can kind of get into like what that actually means or looks like. But um, at the end of the day, I, I felt and they felt kind of the same that we were all coming in to rest and renewal with a level of grief but we didn't know exactly how long it would last or what to do with it because none of us had lived through this before or anything close to this. And so because of the grief we were all carrying but didn't know what to do with, I think that it was kind of this Holy Spirit-led choice to say, this is what we should talk about. So that's what we did. So good. I would love for you to break down what it means to lament, maybe how you got to that point, maybe some of the grief you were kind of walking through at that time that led you to bring that up in that conversation. I think those things are so important to why you got to do what you were doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you just look it up on Google, Google like definitions will tell you that it's a passionate expression of grief or sorrow, which I think is true. I just think that it's probably like halfway of a definition. If you believe in Jesus, there's a much more robust version of that definition. And really the other part of it is that it's an invitation to bring our real and raw unedited emotions to God. And so like I mentioned earlier, we all have emotions right now, like exactly where we are. We probably have heightened ones in the world of a pandemic, a global pandemic. Probably all of those emotions are just at their highs. But oftentimes 
we will handle those in kind of a broad spectrum of ways. We either will say, I don't really like expressing emotions. This was me, exactly what you mentioned in college. Like, I just handle it. Like, I don't really express myself. I just get over myself and I just keep going. And that worked for a while for me. And it was actually like applauded, which is even scarier. But I just completely stuffed them. I stuffed my emotions. And then there's people on the other side that like, bow to their emotions and say, these are queen of my life and I'm just going to make them the end all be all and express them all the time. And if I'm feeling it, then it's true. And that's equally as destructive, but just in a different way, I think. And so what I found when I was just in this mode of just figuring out like what to do with my emotions is that God presents us this glorious third way to handle the highs and lows of our emotions. And that is that we pray them. So really at the end of the day, lament is a prayer language that God gives us to bring our most authentic self and our most authentic heart directly to him and not feel like we have to edit and not feel like we have to pretty it up, but just come, just come exactly how we are. And so that has been super freeing for me in a lot of different ways. I mean, I mentioned I was a college athlete that was injured. And so there was so much of that to me that was so confusing because my identity was so wrapped up in my volleyball career. And when that was taken away from me, I wasn't exactly sure who I was. And so being able to cry out and I just remember being in the shower in between double days, like at the very beginning of my senior season and not being able to even lift my arm, my hitting arm high enough to wash my hair. I was so sweaty, but I couldn't even wash my hair. And I remember in that moment, cause I'd have several other surgeries and injuries before that one, just praying. And I didn't know I was lamenting at the moment, but I just said, God, like, why have you forsaken me? Like the same line we hear in Psalm 22 and then Jesus um, on the cross that I was just, I felt that. I felt that same, like, you aren't here. Like you promised me things I thought, and it's just, it's not, you're not delivering. Where are you? And I look back at that and think that was a turning point in my faith because I had never been as honest with him. Like to just say, like, you left. I'm, this is how I feel. I feel like you're gone. Like you have left me. And I remember like saying that and being a little afraid, like, I hope that's okay. <laughs> I hope it's okay that I just said that. But the more I dug into it, Maya, it's so cool that there are examples after example of God just inviting us to use that kind of honest and raw language with him in the Psalms and all across the Old Testament um, and even some in the New Testament because he just knows. He knows we're human and he invites us to come exactly as we are. And so there's such freedom in that if we are just bold enough to take him up on it. Mm, that's so good. I I love how you mentioned earlier this idea of stuffing our emotions and then giving all power to them. I think for me, I was definitely, I fluctuated between the two. I think from high school into college, it was definitely feelings are queen. And if I feel it, this is how I feel. And I'm going to feel this way as long as I want to feel this way. But then I got to college and it was, oh, you better figure it out or you're going to get left behind. And so I figured it out and just said, 
okay, this hurts. I'm going to put it over here in this box and not open it for a really long time until it's over. And maybe then it won't hurt as much. And then just keep pushing through my life, keep being an athlete, keep being happy, push, 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 push. And then now that I'm not in that space anymore, just learning to validate that, yes, these feelings are real, but not give them so much power and to then bring them to God. I think that's, I don't know. I feel like that's such is almost the beginning point of true relationship with God, which is funny because right. I've been a Christian for a long time, but until you're able to have those kind of honest, raw conversations with God, what relationship is that without raw emotion at, at any level? Absolutely. Cause you think about your favorite relationships in your life and they are the ones that you have broken down. Like you have ugly sobbed in front of this person and they just like look at you like they've never loved you more. And you're just like, Oh my gosh, I just, I'll, I'll do anything for this person because of the ways they meet me and love me in those moments. And I think um, it's, yeah, it's sad that for a long time I thought that God was, was different somehow that in order to be close with him or maybe earn some kind of extra, you know, pleasure from, from him in the ways that he saw me, that it meant having my crap together. And that's just like the opposite of the gospel at the end right. of the day. And so, um, yeah, so this is, this has been super freeing for me in the ways that I have, like, I feel like in some ways it took my relationship with Jesus from black and white to technicolor. Ooh, I like that. Technicolor. So fun. Um, I think it's, it's so true when you're able to be your authentic self with somebody that's when you realize oh this girl this is gonna she's gonna be in my life forever because I'm not gonna let that go that's that's rare and I feel as I've gotten older I've really made those kind of bonds with a few people and I'm just in my mind it's just like those are my people I have really good friends across the board but those people were but like you said I've ugly cried in front of them and they saw me for who I was in all of my brokenness. Those are the people that I'm just, I can be my true self with them and know at the end of the day, they're going to love me anyway. And that's yes. so rare. Yeah. It's so rare, but and, we love it so much because it's just like a, such a small picture of how Jesus looks at us in those moments, you know, like, we're like, oh my gosh, this is too good to be true that a human could love me like this. Meanwhile, there's a God that just is like, I love you even more than that. And that's just like mind blowing sometimes. So yeah, we can't even wrap our mind around that concept. And you stole the words right out of my mouth, which is perfect. Yeah. yeah. Those kind of friendships really show you what God is, God wants with you and what God, how God sees you and wants to meet you in those places. And it doesn't matter what you're doing or what, what you've been doing, what you're currently doing. It's God wants to meet you there and grow with you from there. That's good, Maya. Mm, so good. I love that. I wanted to ask you, I mean, we've clearly kind of talked about why we should lament because it brings us closer to Jesus. And in that kind of brings us closer to who we've been created to be in that sense. But I would love for you to talk about how has this idea of lament changed your thought process of grieving, 
of bringing that to God? Like, how has this shifted in your mind? Because I feel as if sometimes being able to be raw is a mind shift, is a perspective change in how you see God. Because, right, it says in the Bible, God is Abba Father. God is, you know, supposed to be a dad-like figure in a sense. But there's a lot of women who don't have great dad figures or just didn't have one at all. Or, you know, maybe they, it just, they weren't around or there could be so many things that are not clicking with them for that picture to then get to that place of raw emotional uh, vulnerability with God. So how did you kind of shift your mindset in that? Yeah, I would say the beauty of the Trinity is that if for whatever reason, father is a hard, like, hard picture for you right now if that is something that's like oh I just can't get like it's its whole reason to lament on its own just the idea of picturing God as father because of how broken or less than ideal maybe your relationship or lack of relationship with your earthly father is the beauty of the trinity is that there in the Godhead there is a Jesus and there is a Holy Spirit that until Um, God does the things in your heart. And hopefully that's something that you're taking an active like participant role in redeeming that word, like redeeming the word of father and seeing God as the perfect one instead of just dismissing that forever. But until then we have an advocate and a friend in Jesus and we have a comforter and um, a, a person of just complete nearness in the Holy spirit. And so I would say that if it's hard for you to be, to come raw before God, because of whatever reason, we all have so many reasons why that might be difficult. Um, I would just start reading in the gospels and notice the cadence of how Jesus treated people and see him as not only Lord of your life, which is so important and the savior of the world, which is so true, but a like, really, really good friend too. And put yourself in the position of those disciples and the ways that he saw them and he loved them and he was gentle with them. And I think that if it's too hard to automatically just lament and come real and raw before Father God for you, that you come before Jesus and you say, Jesus, I know you're a Lord. I know that you're savior, but I know you're also friend and advocate for me before the father. And so I want to just talk to you. I'm going to talk to you. And why I love prayer so much is that at the end of the day, it's conversing, it's talking with Jesus, but it's also listening to what he has to say. And so, um, I have never been like overly afraid of negative emotions. And I think sometimes why lament isn't a super popular subject to talk about in the church is because people think like, oh, that's what we do when we feel all the things I don't want to feel. And the, the hard part about that is that regardless if you want to feel them or not, they are, they are there. Like part of being a human being in any time period, but especially now is that you are carrying pain. That is true of you, Maya. It's true of me. It's true of every single girl that's listening. And so what are you doing with your pain? At the end of the day, you have pain and you can ignore it. 
You can um, kind of let it come out in pretty destructive ways. You can do a lot of different things with your pain. But if I'm honest, in my life and in my story, I have not found a more profound healing when it comes to dealing with pain than through lamenting just because it's honest, it's real. But at the end of the day, the hope in lament is that we see the face of God more and we trust him more. But in the same way that I'm not going to trust someone in my life, I'm not going to trust my husband if I don't feel like I can be my real self in front of him. Um, But on the other side of that, if I can come before Austin exactly how I am and what he looks at me as, like we were talking about before, is just loved no matter what, I, I want to trust him more. At the end of that conversation, I trust him with more of my heart and more of my thoughts. And so at the same, it's true with God that I think if we come to him, if we have the bravery to come as raw as we can even imagine before God or before Jesus, before the Holy Spirit, I think on the other side of that, we really do trust him more. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be solved, but it does mean that you will most, I like, I want to guarantee that you will feel closer to him. Um, he promises in Psalm 34, 18, that he is near to the brokenhearted. And at the end of the day, what lament is, is just, um, like an admission, like I'm admitting my heart is broken, God. And in that promise, he says, I'm near, I'm here with you. And what's, what more do we want? What more do we all need in this lonely, isolated time than the promise of God's nearness? And the way that he says we get there is by being broken hearted, actually admitting that I have a really broken heart, God. And there's some things that feel sad or feel fearful or feel wrong in me. And I'm going to come exactly how I am. Yes. Yes. And you mentioned Matthew 11, you know, it says to like really have true rest is to bring those things to God. Everything Mm -hmm. else is, is filling that hole with something that's just not Jesus. And my friend told me a long time ago, um, an old friend from college, he told me when we're broken hearted or, you know, we're going through pain, we actually have a Jesus shaped hole in us. And our first reaction is to grab the thing nearest and stuff it in that hole to just plug it up for a while to, to ease the pain a little bit to cope. And usually that can be a boyfriend that can be partying that can be you know, work that can be church. It can be so many different things that you're stuffing this Jesus shaped hole with. And until you bring that pain to God, it's just going to be a a plug. That's honestly not very good. And you're going to leak. (laughs) That's what I think about when I think of trying to cope with pain in unhealthy ways. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. It's so true. I wanted to touch on too, because we obviously talked about the woman who maybe doesn't look at God as father because of the father in her life on earth. Um, I would love for you maybe to speak to, to women who, who are really good at stuffing their pain, like just, I'm going to just push through this and then maybe speak to women who are, you know, totally in their emotions and feel like emotions are truth. 
Yeah, totally. To the woman, what's so fun is that I've been both of you. So I understand. I think part of being a woman is that we understand both sides. And maybe it just depends on our season of life that it's like, which one am I currently? And maybe at the end of the night, I'll be the other one. But (laughs) as of right now, I would say that um, for the woman who is stuffing her emotions, I would say that um, I would just kind of invite her to ask God to search her heart. There's a beautiful Psalm at the end of Psalm 139 that I feel like every Christian woman knows, but like the last part of that, we don't take God up on too often to just say, search me, because I think you might be really surprised what you find. I think when I stuffed my emotions, what I thought I was was really strong. I thought that I was like, oh, all those women around me that are just like emotional wrecks, like they need to just, sadly, like this was totally me and my pride. Like they kind of need to get it together and I'm really strong and they're really weak. But then God physically broke me (laughs) in college and afterwards to the point where I was like, you are weak. Like, look at your body. Like you are weak. And what do I do with this identity of being super weak? And you, it doesn't take long to find in his word that weakness is the perfect place to be for his strength to be perfected. And if that's true, the strongest among us are the ones that are most aware of their own weakness. And so I would invite you, I would say, all right, when was the last time you invited God to search your heart? Like actually search it. Do you want to be strong? Do you want to be fake strong or do you want to be real strong? And the real strong would say, okay, I'm going to come and I'm going to say, search my heart. God, show me the ways that I am crooked and show me the ways that I have sinned. And then see what emotion comes out of you and let that like ride as long as it possibly can because it gets to a boiling point and then it's not fun for anybody. Like it's not fun for you to live that way, but it's really not fun for the people that are in relationship with you either. And so that would be my encouragement and maybe invitation to the women on that side. And then the women on the other side, I just, I have such compassion for both. But like I said, because I've totally been that woman too, is just that, and feelings to know that feelings are such a gift from God, that Jesus is the perfect model for us to look at that feelings were, are not sin, like to be angry. Like he was so angry at the Pharisees and in the temple that he just like turned tables over. This was Jesus and he never sinned. He was crazy angry and he wept like all the time. There's so many instances of him just weeping. And so know that emotions are not sin. It's not a bad thing to feel. It is such a gift from God. And I found it to be now such a signal for things that are really awry in my heart. But I would, I would say to that girl, that's just kind of making emotions, everything that, um, that puts you in a position of being God. And I don't know about you, but that is a job description that I will fail at every single moment of every single day. But for you to say, if I'm feeling this, that it's true, that is a scary and kind of slippery slope because it means that you're never wrong. And if you're never wrong, 
that means that you're perfect. And if you're perfect, that means you're God. And so being able to know, okay, I'm feeling this. I'm going to give complete validation to the fact that I am feeling sad right now, or I am feeling betrayed, or I am feeling angry. Great. So good to be able to identify and articulate emotion. Like that is a high emotional IQ and what we need more of in this world. But what is your next move? Is your next move to say, yep, I'm angry and it's completely okay to feel this way and I don't want to change it and I'm justified for all the anger that I have. If that's where you end, then that's where I feel like at least in my life I've gotten into trouble. So I would say, admit and articulate those emotions, but then hold them up to the truth of first who God is and then who you are. I think sometimes we're quick to say, okay, well, is this true about me? And that's good. But I think so many of our emotions, the emotions I've had when they've gone awry is because I am not believing right about God. At the end of the day, I'm angry because he didn't give me that thing that I wanted when I wanted it. And when I hold that up to the truth of who God is, I see that his ways are higher, that his thoughts are higher and that he is sovereign in his timing. So when that is true, I could still be feeling these things, but I get to now say, I'm feeling this. It's valid that I'm feeling this, but it's, it's not true of who God is. And that is a, is a game changer. Yes, it is. That is such a game changer. I love everything you just said. And I wanted to touch on some of the things you brought up, which I thought were so good. First to the women who are stuffing their emotions and trying to push through their pain. I'm, I'm right there. I feel like I do that most often. I, I just try to keep busy, do work, be with people. The last thing I'm doing is sitting with my pain, but I couldn't agree with you more when you say that when you stuff your pain it will manifest in unhealthy ways. And that can be in an emotion explosion. You know, at one point, you, it, like you said, the boiling point gets hot and it just all bubbles over and you can't control it anymore. Um, or it's just manifesting in bad decision-making and, yeah. and, and poor, poor choices in your life that you think in the moment are not important. But I think we have to remember as women who love God, every decision we make is a yes or a no to God. Yeah, that's right. That's good. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I so feel that in my bones. And that took me a really long time to get there because a lot of times what I did in college was, well, compared to so-and-so I'm doing great, <laughs> which is so terrible and so not biblical in any way, shape or form. But I have grown a lot since college, Maya. <laughs> Yes, totally. Oh my gosh. And I start that sentence in my head so often. And he just reminds me like, um, how about you compare yourself to me? Like that's the one person that you will be better on the other end if you're comparing yourself and you're like, oh yeah, I don't even close to measure up. Thank you for grace, Jesus. Like, thank you so much. <laughs> but if I do it to anyone else, it's so true. It's a losing battle no matter what. Either I'm better than them and I have pride or I'm worse than them and I'm like a sad, sorry mess. Yeah, so feel shameful yeah. or whatever. Totally. Yeah, they're both bad. They are yeah. both bad. And then to the woman who's uh, giving all of the validation to emotion, 
I've also been there and it just, it runs your life. It's like you're a slave to how you're feeling and you can't get out. Um, And I think that's the beauty of who God is, is he gives us a way out of those emotions. They don't get to run your life. They don't get to tell you how to feel. Um, Yes, they can be real and you can feel that way, but you you have the decision and the choice to leave that space. Yeah. And I think that's so good. It is. Yeah. It's the power of our minds when he talks about in Romans, you know, the ability that we have to transform it's by the renewing of our minds. And so I love that. It's so true. My professor at Vanguard, he mentored me for a while while I was there. Well, it was a lot of, a lot of W's. Wow. Anyways, uh, when he mentored me during that time, we talked about this idea of boundaries and how when a boundary in our life is violated. That's when we feel we get these emotions. We feel angry, sad, um, or yeah, usually angry or sad. Those are usually the two trigger emotions you'll feel when a boundary is violated. And he just reminded me that that's a normal reaction to have anger or sadness or any type of emotion when a boundary is violated is normal. It's just as long as we don't sit in that for too long, it's recognize it and then move on, bring it to God, do the things that you need to do to work through those. And that might take weeks, months, every situation calls for something different. And in no way am I saying you should get over it because that's not it either. Totally. And I, I think that you know, I've even learned to listen to my body in a lot of ways because when I was in college and I was an athlete, again, I got really praised for ignoring it and just being like, oh, you're tired? No, you're not. Like, keep going. Or, oh, you're sick? No, you're not. You're going to practice. And it's like, what? (laughs) That's crazy. And it can work for a short time. But now, especially that I'm older, I think that I'm realizing the gift, the common grace of God to give us bodies that like react to different things that now on the days that I'm just kind of sluggish and not super motivated. And instead of just being like, what is wrong with me? I need more caffeine. I say, I think I'm sad. Like, I think I'm sad today. And I'm going to talk to Jesus about that. I'm going to say, God, I'm sad. I don't even know why, but I'm sad today. And then it, like we've talked about, it just kind of, it, it makes everything feel right again, because the one who knit your heart together and knows it better than anyone is the one that knows exactly what you need to hear, but also it, it's just the coolest thing that you get to come completely yourself by the per, to the person that created you. It's just, it's healing in itself. Mm, yeah, I totally agree with that. That's so good. Um, Kristen, I wanted to ask you about kind of what you're doing with your podcast on your platform in regards to your mini series on lament and kind mm-hmm. of how you structured that and how you walk women through the mm-hmm. process of lamenting. Cause like you said, we're all carrying grief. Now the question is, what are we doing with that? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's just, um, I tried to make it really simple. So it's just a three part series. And the first video, we just talk about what is lament. And we've talked about that today a little bit, Maya. And then the next one is why, why it's a good idea to lament. And there's just really three simple reasons that we talk about there. And then the longer one that I love because it's so practical is how, how do we actually do this? Because there's a lot of women in my life. I can be this person sometimes and other times I'm not. That's like, yeah, yeah, that's great. It sounds great. But like, what do I do? Like, tell me what to do and how to do it. And, and so we do, we look at scripture and we see the progression of what that looks like. And, um, that has been super helpful for me just in the moments when I'm so overcome with emotion that I'm like, I don't even know where to start God, but here it's not the only way to lament. Like the idea that it's an expression of our own heart means that it will look different. Like just look at the Psalms and all the ways that the psalmist write about lament is all very different. But the idea that if you are stuck, there are some like pretty tried and true practices biblically that we can look at to say, this is how we really do it. Mm, that's so awesome. I love that you went and created something that women can look at again and again to build their relationship with God in such a way that that brings authenticity to their relationships, not yeah. only with God, but with their people too. Yes, totally. So good. Totally. Um, if you could talk to yourself five years ago, what would you want her to know about this process of lament, connection, and true relationship with Jesus? What would you want her to know? Oh, I love that question. I was, so I would have been 29. And I would say to 29-year-old Kristen that um, I think I would say that there's even more of Jesus, even more of his face, like what you are longing for in your relationship with God will come to you as you come more authentically raw in yourself. And I don't know if that's true across the board. I can speak only to what my relationship with God has looked like, but I think that it's that 29-year-old Kristen needed to know that a, a real relationship with Jesus may just be less about checking things off a list as far as like the common practices to look from the outside. Like I really know my stuff or I really know Jesus really well and more like sitting still and being bold enough to just listen and being um, brave enough to just ask him to show me my sin. I think that I would have been scared when I was 29 to really sit with Jesus in a still way for many minutes. I think that would have made me really uncomfortable. And I have found kind of like Joshua when Moses was still alive. I love this verse in the Old Testament that once Moses had met with God and he left the tent, that Joshua lingered there. And I just, I love that word picture of someone that's just like, I'm not even the main guy. Like I'm not even that important, but I just love the presence of God. I love who he is so much that I just want to stay. Like, I just want to stay a little longer. And I think that me five years ago, didn't really know how to do that. I wasn't sure how to do that. I w it was more about reading the right things and praying the right things 
and doing the right things. And so um, I think I already said that, but anyway, I just think that that's probably what I needed, but I didn't know how to articulate that. And I can say on the other side that if you take Jesus up on like the be still and know that I am God portion of his promises that you will be, it might be uncomfortable at first, but you will be floored by the face of God that you get to see that you have never seen before. And maybe never even knew that you had accessibility to, um, because it's there, but it's just up to us whether or not we want to search for, for him in that way. Yeah, that's so true. It's just the idea that we have access to a God or to God this way, to a God that loves us in this way is, is kind of beyond ourselves. Sometimes we can't even get our minds to, to understand that. And so we never get there. We never get there. And so with that in mind, I wanted to ask you, what are some first steps women can do to kind of get in this headspace of, okay, I'm going to come to God and lament. And what am I doing? (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Totally. That's awesome. What a great question. I would say that you need to just kind of live in the Psalms for a while that, and you need to just start circling the things that either stick out to you or, or if you don't even know how to do that or where to start in that way, just start circling the things that seem pretty emotive. Or if there's a line that you're like, yikes, I would never say that to God. Like there have been some things that I've read in the Bible or that have been prayed that are in scripture that I'm like, yikes, I wouldn't say that to God. And it's like, whoa, whoa. If it's there, like people have, and there's a green light that you can. And so where's the disconnect here, you know? And so I would just start circling the things that stand out or the really emotive parts or the things that you're like, yikes, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. So live in the Psalms. Um, One third of the Psalms are lamenting prayers and lamenting Psalms. So because of that, I think that we get to see like the, this is, this is possible and this is for us. And this is like something that at least one third of the people that wrote that book thought like, this is worthwhile. Like this is something that I need to do and need to pray right now. And then I would say the other thing is just, like I mentioned earlier, I know journaling, you either kind of love it or hate it. I've come to find in Christian circles that it's because it's not like a, it's in scripture kind of spiritual discipline that people are either like, oh, you don't need to do that. Or like people are, it's like, it's my lifeline. And so I would say though, to whether you're a skeptic of it or you love it, to just take, like to carve out actual time and write down how you're feeling or what's going on to the point where it is so raw and real that you want to rip it out of your journal and burn it. Like that is the goal that on the other side of coming before God and writing things down, that it should almost make you embarrassed by the truth that comes out of you. And whether that's like your doubt in Jesus, he can handle it. Or it's your like really awful feelings towards a certain person, he can handle it. Whatever it is that comes out, he already knows and he can handle it. And so that has helped me so much when I'm feeling a little stuck. I just try to write things and I'm like, I don't even like if 
something were to happen to me and I were to die and someone found this, they'd be like, yikes, Kristen had some issues. Oh my gosh. <laughs> things going on. But I love that because I do, like at the end of the day, I do have issues and so do you, you know, so do all of us. And if we're not going to be real with God about them, like who are we going to be real with about them? And so Anyway, I could probably obviously get on a little bit of a soapbox about that, but I think that in order to be able to lament, and if that seems like a hard practice for you, to write it out first, even if it's a line that feels like, oh, it's just one line and that's really hard and it's really honest, that you need to know that you are as loved on the other side of writing that line than you were when you started it by Jesus, that he knows it already, that he sees you and that he is so excited that on the other side of this, there might be more intimacy with you. Like what a gift to us. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. Like what bonkers kind of grace is that, that he doesn't need any of us, but to know that we could be more intimate with him and he is excited about that is just like, why would we not do this? You know? Yeah. Why would we not? So good. I think when you said I have issues and so do you, I think everybody just said amen in their head. That's right. (laughs) That's right. I do. You do. I do. You do. And I'm okay with that, you know, you You know, being God is way above my pay grade. So I'm very happy that that's that's not the case. (laughs) So true. He is really good at being God and I am not as it turns out. Yes. And I am not, but sometimes we can lose sight of that. We definitely can. And it's it's nice and humbling to remember that. Yes, you are not God. Newsflash. Yes. (laughs) God is not lost. You are. <laughs> and I think uh, it's, it's funny because in, in Christian circles, I think the phrase is, I found Jesus or I, I, I came to God when it's like, no, God found you. You, you just, <laughs> you're lost. He's not lost. He knows where he is. We don't. We're wrapped up in the wrong identity we're pouring our heart into things that don't matter. And I, sometimes I think God's looking down at us at like, oh, my poor children, they're so lost. <laughs> but it's so- and they really think it was their idea. And it really wasn't. <laughs> they really think it was their idea. It's okay though. I still love them. And that's, yeah. that's the scandalous part of the grace is that despite our arrogance, our ignorance, our you know, our, our quickness to walk away from something that's hard, God doesn't walk away. And I think that's just so amazing and such a testament to who he is in our life. And so when we have people like that in our life too, that's just icing on the cake, man. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That'll preach. Come on with that, Maya. Yes. But I mean, you have to have good community in order to be able to see not in order to be able to see, but to start to see God that way. I feel like it does kind of stem from community, but that's kind of a whole nother conversation for a whole nother podcast, a whole different day. And I really wanted to kind of sum up a little bit of what you said, just to kind of recap for the people listening. Um, So we want to lament to bring our whole authentic raw self with issues to God, because doing that, 
will allow us to A, know ourselves better, B, understand who God is better, and then also have us be in closer relationship with the God who knit our hearts and created us. And so that would be my summation of what you were saying about why you should lament, period. Because you have grief, so you have to deal with it. So am I on that? Yeah, 100%. Couldn't have said okay. that. And then the next thing would be, how do we get there? How do we lament? And a lot of the things you talked about were, A, go to scripture, because there's so many examples of people... Jesus lamenting to God, right? And so Psalms, Jesus on the cross, and so many others. I mean, I think Job laments to God too. There's a whole book called Lamentation. So there's plenty, (laughs) there's plenty to choose from. Right, exactly. So there's plenty to go to. And so to spend time in the Bible, because we read the Bible to know who God is in our life. And, or just to know who God is, period. Right. We read, we read to know God. Yes. And so that's another thing is to spend time in the word and then to start figuring out what is really true and authentic and raw and maybe even ugly that it's embarrassing. I think the line that you said that really got me was whatever you do decide to write or say to God should be to a point of whoa, I don't want anybody to see that. Or I need to rip this out of my journal right now because if somebody saw this, they would think something is wrong with me. Because yeah. <laughs> there's there's something wrong with all of us. Yeah, yeah, totally. a little bit. And that's why we need Jesus. And I think being a Christian mm-hmm. is admitting that we can't live this life the way we are living it. And yeah. so that's yeah. okay to say, it's okay to say that we have broken pieces. It's God who puts us whole puts us together and says that we are holy, that we are chosen, that we are loved because he makes it that way. Not because we make it that way. That's right. Exactly. That's the gospel. Yes, That's the gospel. Kristen, I wanted to ask you, maybe just give some final advice to women who are going through it right now, who are grieving, who need to be able to bring their grief to God because they have no one else to bring it to yeah. And what does that look like? What advice would you get them? Go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say something just super practical that popped into my head is, um, do you have a safe space? Because, and I'm not just like um, a relationship or a friendship, although that is incredible, but when it comes to just you and Jesus, like, do you have a place where you feel like you can be emotive? It might be that quarantine means you're living with a lot of people, or it might mean that you're living with just one or by yourself even, but even by myself, I have found that I'm more apt to cry and be like completely myself and emotive. If there's a door that's closed, if I'm home alone, if I'm in my car, occasionally if I'm in the shower, like somewhere that I know, like I can let it all go and no one's going to come like, are you okay? Like, is, there, is everything okay? Cause you, you are, or you're in the midst of getting there when you start this way. But I think what stops me so often is just like not 
carving out or even thinking through where is the place that I can actually do this. And this might just be a personality thing. And there's probably some people that are wired this way. And some people that are like, whatever, I could be in front of everyone at the grocery store and I don't care. I'm just going to let it go. But, um, that was just a super practical thing that I would say, like, do you have a safe space? Do you have a, like a, a place that that's just you and Jesus that you go to? And if you don't create one, like say it's my closet, or it's the shower or it is, it is my car. And that is where I am my most raw and authentic. Cause regardless, if you practice lament, you are raw and authentic somewhere. Like no human being can just not do this. And so think about that. Like when do I lose it? And is it with a certain person? Is it when I'm by myself in my car? And then in those moments, invite Jesus in. That's just the difference of the Google definition of lament versus what actual life and heart transformation in lament looks like with the Lord. It's just saying like, I'm going to break down at some point anyway, but what does it look like in those moments to take that before the Lord and to pray those emotions towards him instead of just handling it myself or wondering what's wrong with me? So that would be just like a super practical thing. But then on the really like 30,000 foot view level, I would just say that if you heard anything today, I really, really pray and I hope it's that what God wants is you. It's just you. And that means that the things that you think you have to pray or the things that you think you have to do or the things you think you have to become in order for God to be pleased with you is BS. He wants you. You exactly how you are right now, sitting, standing, walking, running, doing whatever you're doing. He wants you. And so that is your invitation into lament that nothing has to be prettied up. Nothing has to be worked out first. He wants you exactly how you are. Mm. Even if you're not considered a Christian, even if you wouldn't call yourself someone, a follower of Jesus, he still wants you. And I love that. So good. And I think that just hit home for a lot of people because I know it hit home for me. I think we overcomplicate our relationship with God so much we make it so complicated and it really just is God wants you now, wherever you are, wherever you're at, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And so thank you for that. That was so, yeah, that was amazing. And to end every show, we always try to end with something light. So to end with something light. So I want to know transitioning out of heaviness into something light. Love it. Um, That's the Christian life is just like the heavy and the light hand in hand. Right. Holding it. And I, maybe I'm thinking of Chrissy because you're here, but she always says holding the bitter and the sweet things of life. And it's true. You hold the heavy and you hold the light, the bitter and the sweet, and you make it work. And God is all in that. So totally. So good. So shout out to Chrissy again. (laughs) Um, okay. What are you reading right now or listening or watching? Choose, say yeah. a couple, but why should we go and listen, watch and read? Okay. Right now? Well, it's not going to be a shock to anyone that I am obsessed with Hamilton, like oh my God. level. 
Like I've watched all the interviews. I am currently on Audible listening to like the Hamilton like biography that is 35 hours long. Like who am I that I'm going to listen to like a biography on a man about that's 35 hours long, but I am like geeking out over it. And so I, that is what I'm watching and I am watching it over and over and over again. I was texting with my one friend when she was like, this is so good, Kristen. I'm like, I know. And it's not necessarily like Jesus is written all over the story, but the level of art, artistry here it makes me want to worship like I watch it and I'm just like this is so creative and such a testimony that we serve a creative God that he could have created a being that created this that I'm just like I want to worship you God watching this it's crazy so obviously fangirl huge fangirl of Hamilton I need to watch it I haven't seen it is Maya. this Disney Plus? What is this? Cut, cut this off now and <laughs> go get yourself Disney Plus and watch Hamilton. Oh my gosh. It's so good. It's so good. Oh my gosh. I'm going to get there. I will okay. get there. So that's what I'm watching. Uh, reading, I would say like the light answer is that every time the Magnolia magazine comes out, I get super jazzed just because Joanna Games is my homegirl and my spirit animal of life. And I like, just love her so much. And so right. I, I, that is the light version. I'm also reading, um, I, I'm, I reread Francis Chan's book on marriage, You and Me Forever. That has been super cool. Anytime you can go back and read a Francis Chan of anything. My favorite book, probably of anything he's written and almost anything about God, it is something he wrote, Francis Chan wrote, called Forgotten God. It's about the Holy Spirit. If you feel like you don't understand the Holy Spirit or you could learn a little bit more, it's like crash course, but so deep at the same time get yourself forgotten God. So I, I'm not reading that, but it's just a plug. Yes. Uh, he, he doesn't pay me for this. I just love him. And so then, um, I read like 45 different things at a time, but I just finished, um, be the bridge by Latasha Morrison, huge fan of that too. If you're like getting into conversations about racial reconciliation, that is a must for Ooh, you. I love um, that. And what else am I re- reading? Um, I'm reading this amazing book called Anonymous by Brit. What is her name? You're going to have to look it up. Her last name is Choli, C-H-O-C-H-L-O-E, I think it is. So it's mm-hmm. not Chloe, but anyway, it's so good. It's about if you are feeling like your life is kind of hidden right now, that no one's really seeing you and that like, does it even matter what I'm doing every day? This is the book for you. It's all about how Jesus had 32, almost 33 hidden years before we actually saw and read about the three that he lived in ministry and that your hidden years really matter. And so that's been really good too. Oh my gosh. I was just talking about the hidden years with somebody. Uh, I mean, one of my close friends, we were talking about these 32 years that are unaccounted for and what, what was Jesus doing? What is happening here? I know. Anonymous. Yes. Anonymous. It's so good. It's kind of like a Devo style too. So if you kind of feel like I'm not the person that's going to read like a intense chapter book or maybe like sign up for the 35 hour Hamilton biography, like this is a great book for you because it's like two pages, maybe each chapter and that's it. So. Okay. 
Yeah. Very cool. I love what that. that one listening to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm kind of listening to Hamilton, but I've been really into, um, uh, the graves into gardens worship album that elevation just put out. Ooh. I've been like rocking out to that. And then my favorite podcast. I love Annie Downs. She's just great. I love her podcast and I've been listening to, some old um, Britt Merrick, he's a pastor or used to be a pastor in the Santa Barbara area. He did a whole series on Revelation. And when the pandemic hit, I was like, I need to get to know some end times in my life. So I've been listening to that too. A little light with Annie Downs and a little heavier, just like we were talking with about. Revelation. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Kristen, you just put us on to some things we need to be doing, yeah. listening and watching and I love all of it. And I love everything you said tonight on the podcast. It's just been so life-giving and I think will be honestly life-changing for women. And so Mm -hmm. if you want to know more about Lament or just are in love with Kristen like I am, which is totally fine, uh, you need to check out her mini series and how can they get that? Can you plug Yeah, it? my website that I had is kind of under construction for a little bit. So the best way to just find me is on Instagram. Kristen is with the K K R I S T I N and Stockfish. Stock like the stock market, F-I-S-C-H. Yeah, that's the best way to find me. Just message me if it takes a couple days. It's because I'll go days deleting that app because it drives me crazy, but I love it at the same time. So just give me some time if it takes a couple days. <laughs> yes, but I, I will get it in your hands. If you want to know more about Lament, I will send it right to you. <laughs> so amazing. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on today. I had so much fun and this conversation is amazing. I love it. What you're doing is so important, Maya, and the conversations that you are facilitating really matter and they're needed. And so I'm really proud of you for going for it because there's a lot of people that would say like, oh, I'd love to do something like that. And then there's a few people that actually just do it. And it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of risk, but you're doing it anyway in the midst of teaching and everything else. I'm just really, really proud of you because God's going to gain a lot of glory and people will know Jesus better on the other side. And what's better than that? Mm, thank you. Oh my gosh. My heart. It's so full now. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We will see you next week. Bye. Guys, you made it to the end and I'm truly so thankful for all of your support. It means so much more to me than you will ever know. With that in mind, it would be so great if you could go and do two things. Number one, subscribe to the podcast. This just tells your iTunes app to download the most recent episodes so you don't miss a thing. No spam emails or unnecessary reminders. The app will only tell you the important stuff. Number two, rate and leave a review for the podcast. Just take a moment after this episode and write a quick review on iTunes. Your ratings and reviews make a huge difference and help iTunes suggest the podcast to new listeners. All right, guys, rant officially over. Thank you for listening. Whether this is your first episode or you have been around since the beginning, this podcast wouldn't be anything without you. I cannot wait to read your comments. Let's catch up next week. Talk soon.